Welcome to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Today's message will be brought to us by one of the men in our church that serve in the teaching ministry. So let's take our Bibles and prepare our hearts as one of the men in our church bring forth God's truth to us today. All right, take your Bibles this morning. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3. Now, I didn't mention this during the announcement time because I forgot, but there is a ministry that travels around and they give out free signs with Bible verses on them for uh, people to put in their yards or businesses or whatever. Anyways, they must have stopped by uh, when we weren't here because they left a bunch of those Bible verse signs out there. Those are free to take. Uh, Their name is Joe and Cindy Marshall. We've had them here before. And uh, so feel free to take those signs and and get God's word out there. And uh, thankful for for their ministry. They provide those free of charge. So those are available right outside the church. And uh, just go ahead and, and take those as you will. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3, and uh, we are going to be starting in verses 3 and verse 4. The Bible says, And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep. Now what this is telling us here is that it's nighttime, ere the uh, lamp of the Lord went out. That's not saying the lamp did go out. It's saying it has yet to have gone out, which means it is nighttime. The lamps were lit. They put the lamps out in the morning. Um, And so we know that it's nighttime. This is what's going on right here. And ere the lamp of the Lord went out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, so it hadn't gone out yet. This is nighttime, and Samuel was laid down to sleep. Verse 4. That the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here am I. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day today. Thank you for all your wonderful blessings. I pray that you will bless the message this morning. Speak to our hearts. Show us some truths from your word. And I pray that you will show us how to apply this to our life and how we can become more like you. I pray all these things in your holy, precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me ask you this. Has there ever been a time where you did not hear somebody say something important because you were distracted? To which all of the wives say yes, right? If there's one thing that us husbands could be accused of, it's listening, but but not listening, okay? Um, As I was thinking about this passage, I thought, oh, I'm so bad at that. I was kind of embarrassed as I was was thinking through that because there's often where my wife is talking to me and I'm just distracted with this or that. But I remember when I was a kid um, and uh, I was going grocery shopping with my mom. Now, I personally didn't feel like grocery shopping was a reward. I felt like it was a punishment uh, going with my mom. Um, Joel, my brother, was always great. He loved going grocery shopping and helping mom out. But um, most of the rest of us did not necessarily feel that way. Um, So my mom, when she went grocery shopping, it was an all-day thing. And I think mom is here somewhere. So Uh, I hope I remember the details to this story uh, right, because I might might be fuzzy on some of them. But this is as I remember it from a 10-year-old kid, okay? Uh, But we were going grocery shopping with mom. And wow, my mom, when she goes shopping, garage sailing, 
whatever it is, my mom, she takes her time. Let's just say that. I mean, we could be going down a can aisle, and there she is, two cans of black beans. Looking at it, looking at the other can. You know, reading, reading, I'm like, it's, it's a black beans, mom, let's just go, I'm so tired, you know. It's, uh, then she puts down the can of black beans, picks up another brand, and you know, it's like, no, we just wanna go. And don't even get me started on Joanne Fabrics. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I, I think I, I literally, literally, you could see us aging. That's how long my mom would spend in Joanne Fabrics. Um, well, that was the worry. We'd pull that, no, not Joanne Fabrics. There's not even anything fun in Joanne Fabrics. You know what I mean? But I remember going grocery shopping with my mom. And uh, now, you know you hit the jackpot, and I don't even remember what store it was, but in the electronics section, which is funny, because even now when I go into a, a, a store, I still go right through to the electronics section. Uh, they had the great classic, Mario 64, all right? And there it was, all the lights were shining, you know what I mean? Like they have it and the, the controller comes off the wall so you could sit there and play it. And so we were all, would, I don't remember what store it was, but it would be like, yes, it's Mario 64. You're like, let's get there. So my mom, she's shopping, and we're going by the electronic section. So mom, I'm just going to head over there real quick and uh, just let me know when you're ready to go. You know, I was like, yes. And I, I'll even remember when, when we were, all of us boys, and how we would fight over who was going to get to play. And of course, it was always Justin got to play, and uh, we got to sit there and watch. Um, but I, even, I remember like after you played for a certain amount of time, because it was one of those demos, it would go, it's a me, Mario, who's next? <laughs> to give people, other kids like a chance and it would cut off the game. Um, but as I'm sitting there and I'm playing, it must have been by myself because I actually got to play this time, uh, you know, because really that happened between Justin, then Isaac, and then I was always last man on the totem pole. I'm playing and I'm enjoying it, right? I'm enjoying playing and I'm just engrossed in this game, okay? And my mom comes up and she says something to me. And of course, I gave my mom my undivided attention, right, as she was talking to me. No, this is, this is pretty much what I, what I said. I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she, she left. I'm like, thank goodness. And so I'm just sitting there playing, and the little, hey, it's a me, Mario, who's next? And I'm like, oh, man, as I came to the end of the demo, I'll play the demo over and over again. I don't care, you know. But I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, man, I haven't seen my mom in a while. And so I go over to the closed section or whatever was next there, and I'm looking for my mom, and... Um, well, obviously, what my mom told me is that she was leaving. Hey, I'm leaving. Come on, let's go. Okay, yeah, my, <laughs> I don't even remember what I said. Um, but my mom had some, an important message for me, right? She was telling me she was leaving. And in my, undis in my distracted state, I did not hear my mom letting me know that she was leaving. Now, um, I was trying to think through exactly. For some reason, in my mind, like I said, I was 10 years old, I remember, I remember the end result was me crying in the um, manager's office. And wow, a 10-year-old being in a manager's office, you know what I'm saying, at like a mire or something? That's like the most terrifying thing you can do. And um, obviously, uh, a spoiler alert, she ended up finding me. Okay, just didn't. <laughs> but I don't remember exactly how we got reunited, but, but here's the point I want to get to. 
I missed something really important that my mom had to tell me because I was not listening, right? I missed something really important she had to tell me because I was distracted. I was, I was too distracted with that video game to pay attention to what my mom was saying. And because of that, because I'm not paying attention, I missed something really important. And for a 10-year-old kid, when your mom says she's leaving, you should probably pay attention. And I don't, I don't know, I think maybe culture was different back then, because it seems we got left places a lot. But anyways, um, <laughs> uh, listen, I think we've all been in a situation when somebody told us something important and we weren't listening. You know, I don't know, maybe at work, um, maybe at home, uh, I don't know, but, but we were told something that was important, and later we're like, wait, what did they say? You know, what, what was that? I, I can't quite remember that. And I wonder, how many times does this happen with God? How often does God try to speak to us, and we're just too distracted to pay attention? We're just too, too distracted to to hear what God is trying to say to us. Let's jump into this account of young Samuel and see how he learned to listen to God. Now, uh, for those of you that are unfamiliar with the story of Samuel, we're going to uh, give a little bit of a brief context so we understand what's going on in this story. I think that's always important. Uh, but in chapter 1, this is we're going to be in Samuel chapter 3, but in chapter 1, I'm just going to share with you what led up to Samuel's life, here we have a woman named Hannah who could not have any children, all right? She desperately wanted children. God did not uh, open up her womb to have children. And so here she is at the tabernacle praying to God, asking him to give her a child, a, a, a son specifically. She specifically asked for a son. And this is throughout chapter 1. And uh, she promises God that if he gives her a son, that she will give her son back to God to serve him with his life. Uh, verse 11, I'll just read it. You don't have to turn there. It says, And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on, my look on the afflictions of thine handmaid and remember me and forget not thy handmaid, but will give unto thy handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall not a razor come upon his head. So here she is. Imagine that. I mean, just imagine like there's, you know, we're, we're here at church and pastor, he sees a, a lady up here and she's just like crying and, and just like, you know, weeping and, and, and praying. And, and so Eli the priest, you know, that's kind of where they're at. They're at church. They're in the tabernacle. And, and, and Eli the priest, and I don't know why, this is so weird, but whenever I read the story of Eli the priest, I always think of Eli Westheimer. I <laughs> I don't know why. And so Eli they, they, is Jewish lineage, so there is a possibility. Um, so if you ever wonder what Eli the priest looked like, that's, that's what he looked like back there. But Eli, he comes, he, he sees her, and she's weeping uncontrollably, and he's like, this woman is drunk. I cannot believe there is a drunk woman in the temple. Like, how, how that's, this is not a good thing. So he rebukes her, and he says, listen, <laughs> Go, this is not right. Okay, this is not a good thing. She's like, no, no, I'm, I'm not drunk. I am um, praying for a son. And she shares with him 
her heart of what's going on. Now, Eli is deeply moved because of what she had shared with him, and he promises her that God will bless her request. Verse 17, it says, Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee the petition that thou hast asked of him. So as you can imagine, she's very happy. Here God has answered her prayer request. And by the way, God answers prayer. All right? That's not what this lesson is about. But don't forget, God answers prayer. All right? So here she is. She's praying. And she had a son. She named him Samuel. And when he was old enough, she brought him back to the temple to serve the Lord for the rest of his life. And some say he was between the ages of two and four by the time she brought him back to the temple. So really, Samuel's entire life, that's what he remembers, is the temple. And that's where we're at in this story. Now, God is going to do some great things through the life of Samuel. God is going to do some incredible things with the life of Samuel. Samuel served the nation of Israel in three major ways. All right? This is what's going to happen. This isn't where we're at in our story. This is what's going to happen. He serves the nation of Israel as a judge. That's what they had before they had kings. They had judges. He serves the nation of Israel as a priest, all right? He was the one that went before God on behalf of the people. And he served the nation of Israel as a prophet. That means that God showed him things that would happen in the future, and he um, proclaimed that to the people or individuals or, or whatever God had for him at that time. So judge, priest, and prophet. These are three major roles that were very rarely all held by one individual. And this was God's plan for Samuel. He had some big plans for him. Samuel was going to become one of the greatest prophets that ever walked the earth. There's some really huge prophets in, in the Old Testament, and, and Samuel, without a doubt, is one of those. He was going to, uh, God was going to speak directly through Samuel. God was going to do miracles through Samuel. Samuel was going to anoint the very first king of Israel. We have two books of the Bible, substantial books, called 1 and 2 Samuel, all right? God had some big plans for Samuel in his life. The question is, how did Samuel grow into such a great man? Uh, what are some of the qualities that he was able to develop to make him somebody that could be so incredibly used by God. I think we have an illustration here in this passage of some of the qualities. This is in no way, shape, or form. I mean, we could do an entire series on all the qualities of Samuel, but this is just simply one, and I don't even think we're going to get through this whole lesson this morning. But let's look at some of the qualities that he developed as a child. Some of the things that set his life up to be used by God. And how we can apply these same principles to our life. Verse 3, uh, Samuel chapter 3, verse 3. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and Samuel laid down to sleep. So like we said, here it is, it's nighttime, the lamp was still going, hadn't gone out yet. Verse 4, and the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, here am I. And he ran unto Eli, and he said, Here am I, for thou callest me. And he said, I called not. Go lie down again. And he went to lay down. 
So here, the first principle that I think we can really take away from the life of, of Samuel, something that I see here, and, and like I said, this is, could turn into an entire series, but just for the sake of today, we see Samuel learned to listen to God. Samuel learned to listen to God. Before God, clearly, before God could use Samuel in a mighty way to do all the things that he had planned for him, before Samuel could speak God's word to other people, Samuel first had to learn how to listen to God, how to hear God's voice, how to understand, is this God? Is this something else? Samuel had to learn how to listen to God. Listen, we need to learn how to listen to God. As Christians, we must learn how to listen to God. So we're going to look here. I think I'm only going to get to one. Maybe we'll finish this up tonight. But the first thing I see from this passage when it comes to listening to God, we see that first off, Samuel learned to listen in the silence. Samuel learned to listen in the silence. Remember what's going on here. It's nighttime, right? It's quiet. And he hears a voice calling him. Now, at this time, Samuel still had not learned how to discern between God's voice and the voice of someone else. In this case, the voice of Eli. This is the first time God had ever spoke to him directly like this. So he wasn't really sure what was going on, so he just assumed this must be Eli. So he, but there he is, and just imagine he's, he's there, he's sleeping, obviously not deeply because he hears a call and he assumes that it's Samuel, and he runs and he says, here am I. And thinking about how, how that quiet time, and there he was in the silence and how God was able to speak to him, God spoke to him in the silence of the evening. And let's think about that because sometimes we need to be quiet to hear God's voice. Sometimes we need to be quiet and silent to hear God's voice. Sometimes God speaks to us in the quiet. There, I mean, think about it. When we talk about our devotions, there is a name for our devotions that we use commonly, and we literally call it quiet time, right? Remember when we were growing up, mom said, have you guys had your quiet time yet? And what that meant was, did you spend time with God yet? Your quiet time. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 6 says, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into a closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which is in secret shall reward thee openly. Listen, God wants us in an undistracted state so he can talk to us clearly. God wants us in an undistracted state so he can talk to us clearly. Have you ever tried to talk to somebody, and I know this illustration could be used a thousand times, but have you ever tried to talk to somebody that was distracted? I'm not going to use my kids as an illustration because my dad did that all the time, but, <laughs> but are kids distracted or what when you're trying to talk to them? I mean, you know, squirrel, you know, you're talking to them and they're just like walking, like, oh, boing, 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 boing. Um, kids are so distracted, and I was the chief of being distracted when I was a kid. I was the worst, slash, I'm still terrible at being distracted, to be honest with you. 
But I remember, and that's something I've really actually tried to work on, to be disciplined in. Uh, but I remember I was, I was out with an assistant pastor friend of mine, and I'm, and I'm sitting there, and this, is, this has happened literally every time I've gone out with him. But as we're sitting there, and we're fellowshipping, and I'm trying to talk with him, he is constantly checking his cell phone. It just, mm, it's so irritating, right? When you're trying to talk with someone, and they're constantly checking their, their cell phone. And why is that irritating? Because of what it communicates. You're not important. Whatever's going on on my phone is more important to me. And it's not like cell phones are brand new, right? And so by now, we should be learning to put cell phones away and that distraction. Um, we've had them for some time now. They're not, you know, we, we understand that. But it's so frustrating when I'm trying to talk with somebody and they're constantly distracted. When we get home, I'm going to apologize to my wife, by the way, because I'm so convicted, like, working on this message. Um, but it was so frustrating talking to me, just constantly checking himself. And eventually, I'm just like, you know what? <laughs> Bring the bell. I'll cover this. I'm, I'm ready to go. This is so annoying. You know, and there's this, there's this lady that I, I, I talked to that, uh, that I used to know. And when I would talk with her, she's always just, like, looking everywhere else. Like, you know, everywhere else, just not focusing, giving giving me her attention. It's frustrating, right? I think we all have been there. Listen, we need to be, when we're, when we're talking about communication with God, we should be in an undistracted state when we have our devotions. When we spend time with God, we should be in an undistracted state. We should be in an undistracted state when we're sitting in the church service. That's, you know, I know... That's one of the reasons pastor gets so frustrated when people are on their cell phones is because he knows you cannot be paying attention to your cell phone and be paying attention to what God is trying to say to us, right? It's not because he doesn't like you or he's, you know, just like, no, don't have fun on your cell phone or whatever you're doing. He just wants you to hear what God has to say. And you can't give attention to both things equally. So you're in a distracted state. Kind of like my mom, right? I heard, what she, I heard that, that she was talking with me but I didn't hear what she was saying. So we should be in an undistracted state when we come to the church service. We should be in an undistracted state when we come to prayer. We should be undistracted in our meditation. Now, talking about God speaking to us in the quiet, in the silence, and obviously the most ideal time for this is in the morning, right? But talking about that, I don't want to, I want to acknowledge the fact that sometimes God does speak to us in a powerful way. Amen? Sometimes God does speak to us in a mighty way. Okay? It's not, a, it's not, it's not a speaking. It's not a whisper. It's a powerful way. Um, you know, there are, some, uh, um, there are some preachers that are just powerful preachers. And when you listen to them, you're like, Whew! you know, like, like, praise God. You know, uh, just awesome. I, I always think of Pastor Sam Dunk. I don't know if you guys remember him. I still remember what he preached on. That's not odd. That's God. <laughs> I, remember, I remember he got up one, and this is a long time ago. He got one to preach. He's like, well, the Lord changed my message tonight. I was going to preach on nine things I learned from a hound dog. And I was like, no, preach that one. <laughs> He's like, but God led me in a different direction. I was like, oh. Um, but, you know, there's some preachers, they're just powerful. They're able to get, and, you know, God moves you through that message. God can speak in a powerful way like that. Have you ever been listening to a song and it literally moves you to tears? 
I remember when we were going to pick up Thomas, our son that we just adopted a little while ago, and, and while we're on our way, you know, a song came on the radio, and it's just talking about God making a way. And uh, it was powerful, right? And God is just speaking to us, I'm telling you, you know, just moving us and to see how things had happened and how God had provided. And sometimes God speaks to us like that, right? And it's powerful and it's just, it's just awesome. You know, sometimes God takes us through circumstances that just shake us to our core and we know that was God. I think of times, you know, I've heard stories of people that like you almost got into like an accident that killed you, but you just knew God was there protecting you, right? Or God just clearly comes through in a way, you know, I'm not going to get onto that, but you know, you know it's God. Does that make sense? I love that. Isn't that just great when you're just like, that was God. There's no other way. You know, he brings a job opportunity a lot. It's just, there, there is no, you'd have to work to explain it away, the fact that that wasn't God. I love it when God does that. And God can work like that. And God does work like that. And when God speaks to us that clearly, I'm telling you, you better pay attention, right? If God's speaking like that, pay attention, because he's moving. But sometimes, and I would say more often than not, God speaks to us in a still small voice. And I think that a lot of times, unfortunately, the only way for God to get our attention is with a big thing, right? That's the only time God can speak to us. I love this passage here in uh, 1 Kings chapter 19. This is God's, uh, an interaction that God had with another prophet named Elijah. And it says, verse 19, verse 11, it says, and he said, go forth. So he's talking to Elijah here and he's, he's giving Elijah really an illustration. And he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord and behold, the Lord passed by and a great strong wind rent the mountains and break it into pieces and break into pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. So here, here he is, Elijah, he's on this mountain. God's given him an illustration. And this huge wind comes by. You know, you can imagine the, to break the rocks. That's some intense wind. But it says God, God wasn't there. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. So you can imagine, he's just, he's there and the fire and, and you know, like, whoa, this must be of God. God. God wasn't there. The earthquake, oh, this must be of God. God wasn't there. The wind. Then at the end it says, and after the fire, a still small voice. And that's where God was. And by the way, just, just quickly here, just because something seems, this is why it's so important to learn how to listen and understand the word of God, just because something seems like a whirlwind or a tornado or, wow, this must be of God, doesn't always necessarily mean that's of God. That's why it's important to learn how to discern the voice of God. And after that, a still, small voice. You know, often we're looking for God to speak to us in a powerful way an earth-shaking way. That's how we're looking and waiting for God to speak to us. And like I said, God does do that. And when he does, we need to pay attention. However, that's not always the way God speaks. And he often speaks to us in the silence, in the quiet. But unfortunately, I feel like sometimes it's the tornado, the whirlwind, the earth, 
the earthquake, I feel like a lot of times that's the only way God can get our attention. He has to, he has to shake our lives up just to get us to take real notice of him. Have you ever seen those kids that only respond to their parents like when they just push their parents past the breaking point, right? Stop, stop doing that, please. Please stop doing that. Please, please put that down. Stop. Stop it. Stop now. If you don't stop, I'm going to, I don't know, but you're not going to like it, right? Like, get in the car. Honey, please get in the car, get in the car, get in the car. If you don't get, I'm going to leave and you are going to walk home. And they just push their parents to the breaking point. Can that be effective? Yeah, because eventually they do, do, they do, do, okay, sorry. <laughs> they do what you had asked them to do. So eventually it can be effective, but it's, that's not ideal. That, that's not a healthy parent-child relationship, right? And that's, that's not conducive to a, to a healthy relationship growing together. And, and hopefully as the child grows and matures, eventually they get to the point where you say it one time and they listen. And the, the hope is that someday they get to the point where you can go. And they're like, right? That's the ultimate goal. You don't have to say anything. You just mm, give them the look and it's done. So that's the goal. My kids are still learning the look. I start with the look, and that, that, that very rarely works. And so then we, we move on to the other steps. Uh, but, hey, that's, that's the way it is, right? How, that's, that's, is the only way God can get your attention is through the whirlwind? Is through, like, it doesn't have to be this dynamic thing that happens in order for him to, in order for you to realize, oh, this is God? Or can you just spend time with God and, in your devotions, and, and, and God can speak to you through that. Can you sense God's voice when it's only a whisper? I think if we were honest, a lot of us would say, the only time I actually really discern God's voice is in the whirlwind, through some type of powerful, dynamic situation. Let me ask you this. When's the last time you sat alone, undistracted, and spent uninterrupted time listening to God. When was the last time you were undistracted? No cell phone. Spending time with God, no cell phone. No social media. No Facebook. No Instagram. No Snapchat. No TikTok. No YouTube. No insert whatever else is there that I don't know about yet. Or maybe you're a little older, no email, right? No text messages, no to-do list. That's one I struggle with. So I'll be sitting there and I'm just like, oh, oh, I gotta do this, you know? Pull up my to-do list and add something to it. It's like, no, no to-do list. We're, we're spending time with God. No kids, no music, no news. Just you and God. Listen. We are in such a heavily marketed to and media saturated culture that in order to spend undistracted time, we have to be intentional about it. We really do. You are not going to be 
undistracted to be able to talk and hear from God without making a conscious effort. If you're just going along, I'm telling you, you're just going to be swept up into the media, the social media, entertainment, all of that, right? It just grabs us, news, all, it's just, it's going to engulf you. And I think you know what it's like to turn around and be like, I think I'm out of control with this. Like, this stuff has got a hold of me. So in order to, to, to do this, we have to be intentional about being undistracted. What is the first thing you reach for in the morning? And I say this with great guilt. I was just listening to a podcast this week, and the pastor that I was listening to really challenged. He said, take a Bible. He said, open it up and leave it on your nightstand. And before you go to bed, you pick it up and just read it until God either shows you something, tells you something, or touches your heart about something. He said, it can be one verse. It can be maybe three verses. Just open it up. He said, then go to sleep, wake up, Wherever it was open, start with the next verse and just read until God speaks to you, shows you something, or just touches your heart on something. And he said, that's what I've had to do to, to get away from having that cell phone, the first thing. And he said, it's just such an easy thing to slip into. You have to be intentional about being undistracted. When was the last time you spent real time listening to God? You know, you might say, I don't have time. And I know that is a, uh, uh, that is a excuse, temptation that, that Satan has been giving people since the dawn of time. I don't have time in the morning to spend time with God. And you know, we can go through, we have time to eat, we have time to get ready in the morning, unless you're going to Walmart, then you don't have to get ready, just go. <laughs> we, have, we have time to get up for work, you know, I remember when I was 17 years old, um, I worked at a golf course. One of my, I, just, I loved, loved working at the golf course. It was, the people I worked with were great. I just loved it. But we had to start mowing at 4.30 in the morning in order to get out ahead of golfers. Those guys are, golfers are crazy. They will literally be there the crack of dawn. And you know what? They'll hit the ball at you. They don't care. You're on the mower. I can't tell how many times I'm on the mower. The ball just like lands right in front of me. It's like, seriously, dude? Come on, man. I'm mowing. Uh, but we had to be there. We had to be there at 4.15, start mowing at 4.30. We mowed with lights just to get out ahead of all the golfers, which meant I had to be up around 3.45, you know, <laughs> woke up, shower, get out there. A 17-year-old, and somehow that whole summer I was able to get to work on time. I'm sure I was late a couple times, but for the most part, I was 17 years old, and I was able to get up at 3.45 and, and get to work by, by 4.30 because it was a priority to me. We make time to get to work. We get our kids to school on time. We go grocery shopping. We pay our bills on time. We make time for things that are important to us. So if we're not making time for God, it just, it's the, the only conclusion is that it's just not important and it's not a priority, Right? There's just no other conclusion to it. When's the last time you spent uninterrupted time talking and listening to God? If God is going to use us, and, and I apologize, this is only half. I have a couple more points that we draw from this passage. We just don't have time. Maybe we'll revisit it tonight. 
But how can God use you if you don't even know how to listen to God? It's essential to learn how to listen to God, to learn when to listen to God, to learn the difference between when God is speaking and when I don't think this is the voice of God, right? How do we, learning how to do that is essential. And we see here, and we see a couple more things that we'll look at later, but first off, we see here that God speaks to us in the silence. But I do want to mention this before we close. Maybe the reason you can't hear God speaking is because you don't know God. Maybe the reason you don't have never really heard the voice of God, I'm not saying it is. I'm saying maybe. Maybe it's because you don't actually know God. Maybe you've never actually come to the place in your life where you've accepted Christ as your own personal Savior. So you're trying to listen to someone who's not even there. You know, that's where the gospel comes in. The gospel, very briefly, there's a few elements to the gospel. And the first is the bad news. Why do we need the gospel? Because the Bible says we are all sinners. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned, and come short of the glory of God. Sin is anything you say, do, or think that does not please God or breaks his laws. So the question is, have you ever broken one of God's laws? Have you ever lied? Cheated? Took something that doesn't belong to you? Had an immoral thought? If so, if you've done any of those things, the Bible says you've sinned and are by nature a sinner before God. And we need salvation because God is perfect and he cannot accept imperfections. So if you've sinned, you are therefore imperfect. Welcome to the club, right? All of us here are in the same boat. And part of the bad news is that there's a punishment for sin. Now this should not be a strange concept for us. We live in a world that there's consequences for sin, right? Now one of the things that we reject is that it does seem like culture constantly tries to normalize sin, tries to say, oh, that's not as bad. You know, you're making it out to be worse than it is. Or we have people that are actually making their sin their personal identity. But God does not do so. And we line up with what God says. So the Bible says that there are consequences for sin. If I, ran, if I went out and I robbed the bank and got caught, there will be consequences. I will be in jail, right? We know what consequences are. We deal with them all the time. If you got a speeding ticket, you dealt with a consequence of your action. So the Bible says that there are consequences for sin, and the punishment for sin against God is eternal death in hell. People don't like to talk about hell, but Jesus talked about hell more than he talked about heaven. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So this is bad news. We are sinners and we have judgment coming upon us. But this is not the end of the story, right? The bad news points to the good news. I love this. And here's the good news is that God is on a rescue mission for mankind. He is on a rescue mission to, to save people from the penalty of their sin. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, But God commandeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, 
Christ died for us. This verse says a few things. It says, God loves sinners. That's what that Bible says. That's what that verse says. It tells us God loves sinners. And so if you've sinned, God loves you. <laughs> you know what that means? That means God loves all people because all people are sinners, right? From, from uh, Michigan to Africa to Egypt to wherever you want to go, God loves you because you're a sinner and God loves sinners. But God commandeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This also tells us that because of his great love for us, he sent Jesus Christ, his son, to earth to pay the penalty for our sin. Jesus Christ came to earth. He lived the life that we could not live. He lived perfect without sin, something none of us could ever hope to do. And when he was, when Jesus came and did everything that he had come to do, God sent him to the cross. I can't tell you how many times I've talked about the gospel and I still get choked up about it. God sent him to the cross to, to do one final act, and that was to pay the cost for our sin. And Jesus died on the cross, and God did a miracle when Jesus was dying on the cross. God took the sins of the world, and he placed them on Jesus. And Jesus took into himself the sins of the world. That's your sin and my sin. And when Jesus had done everything he came to do, he said, it is finished, and he died. And they took his body off the cross, and three days later, he rose from the dead proving that he was who he said he was and that he could do what he claimed he came to do, which was to forgive sins and heal our lives. So salvation is a free gift. The Bible says that salvation is a free gift. We cannot earn salvation. That is the big difference between us that follow the scriptures and so many other religions. Because they think you can earn salvation, and we know you can't earn salvation it is only a gift from God. You know, it says here, listen to this, Romans chapter 4, verse 4. I love this. 4 and 5, it says, Now to him that worketh, it is not reward, uh, it is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. What this is saying is if you could earn your salvation, that's not a gift. That's something Jesus owes you, right? Because you work for something, they owe you something. So if you could work for salvation, you wouldn't... That would be something Jesus owed you. Verse 5 says, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Not only, only when you place your faith in Jesus Christ alone will you be forgiven for sins. Not if you think you... Here's the thing. If you could work for your salvation, then why did Jesus have to die? God would just wait for us to earn our salvation. But we can't. So that's why Jesus Christ had to die. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Salvation is a gift. So if we're all sinners, if the consequences for our sin is death and hell, and the only way to get to heaven is through accepting this free gift of salvation, how do we do it? The Bible says that in order to receive this gift, we have, there's a few things we have to do. Number one, we have to repent. Repentance means that we turn away from our sin, we turn away from that lifestyle, and we turn to following after Jesus. We have to believe the gospel, believe that Jesus is who he said he was and that he could do what he claimed he said he came to do. And we have to reach out and receive this free gift of salvation. That's all we have to do to be saved. Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So the question is, maybe the reason you can't hear, maybe you're like, I don't ever remember hearing God speak. Maybe it's because you don't know Christ. 
Maybe you've never accepted this free gift of salvation, and if that's you, I encourage you today to reach out and take this free gift of salvation. And maybe you have accepted Christ. And if you have, the question is, are you growing in sanctification? Do you know how to hear the voice of God? Do you spend time listening to God? I think that's something, if we were honest, we all need to grow in. One of the ways Samuel grew into a great man of God is Samuel learned to listen to God. Let's pray. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.